Welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm pretty excited to say that my guest today is the total package made in the USA, Lex Luger. If you haven't heard from Lex Luger in a while, he's now one of the most positive people that I can think of. He's got a new podcast where he has three shows called Lex Expressed, where he answers questions and talks about his career with Conrad Thompson and the fans. We got to cover pretty much all of it today with Lex, from Florida to WCW to WWE, back to WCW, all the way to today, where he says he's now a pro wrestling fan for the first time. So here we go with my talk with the total package, Lex Luger. So honored to be joined today by one of the biggest stars in professional wrestling of the last several decades, the one and only, the total package, Lex Luger. Lex, welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Appreciate it. So let's get started with what's going on with you right now. Lex Luger is in the podcast game. Your new show, Lex Expressed, has premiered on ad-free shows with Conrad Thompson. What has that uh, scenario been like for you to talk about your life and your career in that format? Wow. Um, you know, I I never thought I'd be involved. When the podcast first started coming out, I was like, what's a podcast? And... Uh, then all my friends started getting to the guys I worked in the industry with, uh, and they all started doing podcasts. And I enjoyed listening to them, but I never imagined myself having a podcast. But when Ed Free Shows contacted me, I'm, I'm personal friends with Conrad. And he wanted me to do a monthly show. Uh, you already said that Lex Expressed, uh, where it would be uh, interactive with the fans. They could come on live and ask questions. Because... Uh, as an ambassador for WWE and when we do promotional things out with the fans, um, it's it's a much more personal experience. And as a side note, wrestling fans are special. They they have things memorized from your career, your matches, and this pay-per-view. And they have some really good questions. They're, they're all kind of looking for that behind-the-scenes insight. And with a, with a podcast, you can kind of really – get into that. Uh, so I think it's a great outreach for the fans as kind of a tribute to them as well. So when Conrad, to make a long story short, when Conrad, when Conrad Thompson from Ad Free Shows contacted me about doing one, I was like, well, he's the Bentley of wrestling <laughs> podcasts. So if he wants me to do a monthly thing that I can interact with the fans, that that, that that's great. They have a Q&A mailbag. So, we're just going to have a lot of fun with it. So I'm looking forward to it. We just did our first one in October and uh, we're going to do like a monthly uh, with that as part of their content package. That sounds like a lot of fun. What's your relationship been like with the fans when you're, when you're doing this or even when you're out at say like a New York comic con as you, as you were recently too, like what, what's, what's it like for you to get out there and interact with the folks like that? Man, it's uh, like I, I, the word always pop had special. Um, you know, when I was wrestling, I was I was a wrestler, but I wasn't a wrestling fan. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but I was a football player and grew up in what I would call, in my term, traditional sports. Mm -hmm. And I didn't grow up watching re pro wrestling. And when the opportunity came, and I decided to give pro wrestling a shot. I just took off. I thought the wrestling fans are crazy. They follow you around. They're chasing the elevators. I was like, oh my gosh, what's with these what's with these wrestling fans? But I've like come full circle. And we're now that I'm uh an ambassador retired, I've got the 
to meet the fans more up close and personal. I never had the opportunity while I was wrestling. And uh, I've cried with people, laughed with them, uh, fans at some of these events like the New York Comic Con. Comic Con, I watched with my grandfather and my memory. I, or I was at the U.S. I had a guy this weekend, uh, past weekend. I was at the U.S. Intrepid with my grandfather, and he's not with wow. me anymore. He started crying, and I started kind of tearing up. And so, I guess my point is, uh, I'm able to now double back. I'm now a wrestling fan, along with the, we're like a family, and so when I do these appearances, and now that I have the opportunity to this podcast. It's kind of really interacting with your family because, once again, wrestling fans are one of a kind. They're very unique, and they're very loyal, and they're avid, and they're they're. Uh, it's just it's just a. I've come full circle on it all, and it's just a wonderful experience. Whoop! There you are, and 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 you learn too, like how uh, how much you mean to them at, at this point of your life. Are you are you kind of an open book? Is it is it nice to relive your career kind of in this way? Yeah, I I. I uh, I, you know, I, I've had a real change in my life, in, in my faith, my um, walk with the Lord. So I'm, I try to be an open book and be very transparent with people and try to be authentic, authentic as I can possibly be. I think when if you're open with people like that, I think they're the same way with you, I've found. So uh, I think it makes it makes everything better. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely um, people have well, should I stay away from this when I interview or the fans come do you mind if i ask you about such and such or this you go no man go ahead i'm asking whatever you want so yeah i i uh de- i definitely uh an open book on when it comes to uh the q a and the interaction with the fans for sure and they, they know that about me now yeah what's the biggest positive you take away in your life nowadays after the initial uh, you know, partial paralysis you had from the spinal stroke, what, what mm-hmm. is life like now for Lex Luger? I mean, you seem like one of the most positive people I've seen. So just what, what's the biggest positive in your life these days? Well, part of it up front was I was never supposed to be partially paralyzed. I'm what they call a high function quadriplegic. I have some challenges mobility wise, but you know, I can live independently and feed and bathe myself. I was, I was not supposed to be able to do anything. I can drive my own car and and live by my live independently. So it's really a miracle of God that I can do what I can do and make these appearances that I do and fly around uh, by myself and uh, get on and off the airplane. I wasn't supposed to do any of that. So that alone makes you so grateful that it's hard not to have a, a positive outlook on life. Um, that in and of itself. And I, I kind of look at, Big picture, um, I feel like I was kind of streamlined and redefined. I was always about the physical Lex. You know, I kind of talk about mind, body, and spirit when I give motivational or inspirational talks. And I was kind of one-dimensional. I was all about the physical, mm-hmm. a little bit about the, the mental. I let a lot, a lot of positive mental attitude books and everything, and Jim Rohn, a lot of that stuff, which gave me, like, worldly success and wrestling and in the business world, but um, I was spiritually dead. And I feel so much more balanced now in my walk with the Lord that um, I find that my spinal cord injury, which would have a lot of my friends said, I mean, how do you deal with that? You were like one of the strongest, best built guys on the planet. And now you lost a hundred pounds of muscle. <laughs> you're, you're in a wheelchair to walker a lot of the time. And 
how do you deal with that? They're, I'm like, man, it's, I, I feel like I've been streamlined, redefined, and I, I've been pruned so I can be more useful. I kind of had to get the, if this makes any sense at all, I had to kind of get the old X out of the way, which was very one dimensional and kind of almost my, one of my nickname was the narcissist. I was kind of narcissistic about getting to the gym and doing my cardio and, and, and looking, looking at myself in the mirror and getting the tanning bed with that kind of out of the way. Not that I still don't go to the gym. I still do, but, but, uh, it was such, it was kind of a really unbalanced lopsided way to live. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, I feel like it, the spinal cord injury, I think, was almost, it, not almost, it was really turned out big picture to be a blessing in disguise, if that makes any sense with what I just told you. Oh, it's a, a yeah. great, great to hear and, and, and great to see you doing so well and positive and stuff. One thing I cracked up, and I think I think you posted this on Twitter, but you shared a video at one point of a cat jumping out of its cage and you compared it to your infamous match with Bruiser Brody with oh you getting God. out of the cage. Yeah. And at that moment, I kind of realized, all right, this Lex Luger is, is probably loving life right now. And he totally no gets it and appreciates what he's accomplished in his career at a different level. Because that, that, that was always one of those moments in wrestling where people were like, what happened there? And I'm looking oh at I'm watching this catch up out. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> well, every, yeah, everybody asked me, like, what's the number one question you get most of the time on Q&As and stuff? I go, I go, because most of the guys go, well, what was your favorite guy to work with or your your most memorable match? Or I'm like, well, we have, I had almost 5,000 matches. But mine's always, what happened with Bruiser Brody in the cage? So uh, I'm, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was quite the scary moment. I was my first year wrestling, so. Yeah, I'm real honest about it. I had a, a wife and a brand new little baby at home. And I had this crazy looking monster in the cage with with uh, razor blades on his fingers. And he stopped working and the rep was experienced. He didn't know what was going on. So, yeah, I was scared, man. And when they couldn't open the cage door, I'll go, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What's yeah. um when you were breaking into the business in Florida after the after your football career was over, who were some of the people you were leaning on to learn things about pro wrestling? Well, I, I had a great guy. His name was Hiro Matsuda. He's, he's infamous for breaking Hulk Hogan's leg when he was goofing off and training to mm -hmm. be a wrestler. But he trained Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondruff, Hogan, a lot of the biggest stars, never had a school where he benefited monetarily. He was intrinsically in love with wrestling and provided well for him and his family. He was a uh, from Japan, a judo champion and a legit athlete. He did everything with you when he trained you, all the push-ups and Hindu squats, and he got in the ring with you. And what an amazing guy when I look back. I really miss him, but he, he mentored me uh, at the beginning of my career. He watched over me, protected me that first year in wrestling before I moved on to uh, the Crockett's and the NWA, which became WCW and then WWE. But he was a huge part of my uh, early career and success. And of course, I, I tell people there would not be a Lex Luger. We wouldn't be doing this interview right now if it wasn't for Ric Flair. He had wow. a, he has a unique quality. Not only is he a cultural icon and and a just a, a fun guy to be around, but just charisma plus. But he had a special quality. Uh, as a big star, he could, his career is, I mean, all the world touching, but he had a special quality. He was a star maker. Sting, one of the, my best friends in wrestling, and, and uh, also uh, 
he's had a great career, says the same thing I do. Ric Flair put us on the map. You wouldn't know Sting. He admits it, and you wouldn't know ever heard of Alex Luger. If it wasn't for Ric Flair and the way he interviews and, and works me in the ring, he, he, he made people believe that we were big stars. He brings you up to his level. That's a very unique gift and quality that Ric Flair has. So that's another name. That's a good question you just asked me that comes to mind right up right off the bat. I thought about who helped me and brought me along early on in my career, for sure. Those are the first two names that really pop into my head on that question. That's great. I wonder with Matsuda, too, if, if your background in football and in athletics probably made you a good uh, uh, kind of uh, student for him just because you were probably pretty coachable. And that's what he was doing, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, he and I were like two peas in the pod. Like when he would do push-ups with you or Hindu squats, they call him everything. And he turned the, the air conditioning off in this Tampa, Florida in the summer uh, garment factory he ran. It'd be like 120 degrees in there. He'd do everything. When you finish your set of 30 reps on the push-up, he'd push you out of the way to do his 30. Then I'd start pushing him out of the way to do my 30 reps. Wow. And we'd do like 10 sets of 30 uh, nonstop. And then we'd come do the Hindu squats and he'd do it all with you. But we we both loved a challenge. I from my football and background, I always loved working out in the gym. I was able to train under a world champion powerlifter who just passed recently, Don Reinhout. Mm-hmm. We trained me and two of my teammates in high school. All went on to have pro football careers. Um, I got to train with some of the best strength coaches, a world champion powerlifter. So all that went into. I was Matsuda brought me into the ring and put me out. My first match, I was the fastest guy. He told me that he ever put into a ring and had a, had a live match on television. Wow. Uh, it was just over three months. Usually, he didn't even let him out of the the sweat box and t- at the garment factory for at least six months. Wow, that's so, great. And yeah, I, I was pretty young, but I remember the angle pretty vividly when Ole Anderson was booted out of the Four Horsemen for being uh, what Tully Blanchard referred to as an outsider. Yeah, we beat him up in the, in the broom closet. Right. And then he was replaced by you. And, you know, what, what an opportunity for you so early on. That's probably, I think that's the first time I saw you was uh, 86 was uh, in Crockett. What was your relationship with those guys like, and what was it like being a member of the four horsemen? Well, I, I knew Rick cause Rick had come down to Florida and he discovered me. He wanted to bring me in. And so once again, I wouldn't be a lecture without a Rick Flair. Um, I wrestled an hour Broadway. I don't know how he did that with me down in Florida. I didn't even know hardly how to lace my boots up. That's how talented Rick is. And uh, with, with the horseman opportunity, I'll be honest with you. I was so, had such limited exposure to wrestling. My first wrestling match I ever went to was my debut. Wow. That's how little re- experience I had with pro wrestling coming out of football. I, the, um, when I went to, to the horsemen to become a horseman, everybody in Florida said, man, you're going to be a horseman. All right, big deal. The only guy I knew in the horsemen was Rick. If you had uh, showed me a picture of, of a bunch of different guys, I couldn't have picked out Tully Blanchard, Arn yeah. Ole, or, or, or uh, any of the horsemen other than Rick or J.J. Dillon, the manager. I had no idea who they were. Wow. So that, I mean, I, but going back to our original beginning of our talk, I I, I was a, a a wrestler, but not a wrestling fan. Now I'm 
it's amazing how God brought me full circle. Now I'm like a fanboy. I love wrestling and I follow the podcast and I the wrestling shows now and I'm I'm a, like a big fan. So it's a, it's an incredible journey for me with wrestling, for sure. That's, that's great. Let's talk about Sting. When did you first meet Sting? Did you hit it off with him right away? You guys seemed like uh, inseparable in the ring. And what about your friendship makes it uh, work so well? We are both inside and outside of the ring. We have a, a similar journey. We're both followers of Jesus now, and that makes it extra special for us as well. He never gave up on me, even at my, during the worst times of my life. I always he'd leave voicemails for me when I wouldn't answer the phone. I went through a bad period of of addictions with for sex and drugs and alcohol, and people thought I was going to be the next wrestler found dead. He, Stinger never gave up on me, and uh, we're we're best of best of friends to this day. Especially he's a special guy and a special friend. Um, but we did not hit it off the first time we talked. He was asking me about my nutrition on the road, and I blew him off and told him, "I all, all I like, what do you eat to stay in shape like you do on the road?" Because he came from a bodybuilding background, right. and I didn't look up. I was after a match, and I was I was unlacing my boots. I I didn't look up at him, and I said. Uh, I was like a big, thought it was a big deal with the force. And I said, Stolies and peanut M&Ms. <laughs> I, I, I eyeballed him. I, him. I walked away shaking his head. But we ended up seeing each other downstairs on the road at the hotels, like having breakfast and stuff. And we'd sit at separate tables. Finally, we had breakfast together. Finally, we started going to the gym together, palling around. We just, over time, became best of friends. So, Thank goodness he gave me a second chance from our initial intro of, and our conversation. My gosh, talk about cocky and arrogant. Poor, oh my gosh, we laugh about it now. Wow. And how about him still in the ring 30, mm. 38 years later? <laughs> I think it's fantastic and it's and also incredible. My goodness. Mm -mm. Yeah. So in addition to Flair and Sting in that time period, I could think of so many people you had some fun matches yeah. with in that in that range. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Barry Windham, oh. Stan Hansen. Were you able to enjoy that time of your career appropriately at the time, or do you kind of kind of look back on it now and and kind of realize like, wow, like these are these were some great wrestlers I was in there with. I I appreciated it because I was working with all the top guys and making top money. And I appreciate that aspect. When I'm looking back now. I got to work with basically every wrestling legend and top guy in my era, like nonstop for 15 years, like main event stuff. Mm -hmm. um, when I look back now, I'm like, I'm like, goodness gracious, what a, what an opportunity I, I I was given. It's yeah, it's it's it's. I got to work with all the all the all the best guys. Amazing. I, I enjoyed you and Steamboat quite a bit. I thought you guys were a good <sighs> matchup. He, he taught me how to he taught me how to call a match. Really? Meaning, uh, I always was led by got matches by guys like Rick and everything. They held my hand, and called the whole match in the ring, because we people don't realize we don't. Back when we wrestled, we didn't go over the whole match. We talk about a couple of things, and then we go out there and you kind of talk through it in the ring, and ad lib based on the playing off the crowd, what you thought they might want to see. That takes experience. So the more experienced guy always called the match. So I never learned how to call a match in there, and. Ricky Steamboat, he's like, I call him the teacher. He started with me and called the whole match. I had a, I had like a seventh-month program with him, which they don't have anymore. So what an opportunity. I had like a seventh-month program with him for the U.S. title. And he called the whole match for the first month. Then the second month, he'd have me call like the beginning of the match. 
Then he had me call the middle part of the match. Then he had me call the, the beginning, the middle, then the comeback or the finish of the match uh, towards the end. Then finally at a pay-per-view, he goes, Lex, we had a big pay-per-view in Baltimore. He says, I'm going to have you call the whole match, including the whole, all the way up through the finish. I go, but Ricky, you want me to call your comeback when he was the good guy where he shines at the end of the match? Right. I go, he goes, I want you to call the whole thing. Wow. Man, I was like on cloud nine. I took a slam off the top, things I'd never done in the ring before because, because I wanted to have such a great match for Ricky and him allowing me to call the whole match. I was so excited, but I was like a little kid uh, in a candy store. I'm going to call the entire match in a pay-per-view for, for the U.S. title with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. So, But he, he, as you can see, he, he took me bit by bit. And after, after each match, he'd sit down with me for Miss Lex. When you did that suplex, then you picked me up and slammed me right afterwards. Don't do a big suplex, then follow it up with like just a body slam. He he would teach me uh, things uh, after each match and go over match what I what was good and what wasn't and what I, how I could improve. Uh, that's why I call him the teacher. And I'm very to this day very thankful, and I tell Ricky that all the time when we get together. We're at autograph session. Go, man, Rick, you're the first guy to ever let me taught me and worked with me and let me taught me how to call a match so ricky ricky is ricky's an incredible guy he really is yeah and they were great matches too so uh congratulations on that so hey, it's hard to have a bad match with ricky the dragon steamboat <laughs> that's probably a good point yeah um so going to the wwf from uh nwa you know first of course you went to the wbf and did the bodybuilding thing what was it yeah. like for you to create with people like vince mcmahon and bobby heenan and kurt henning and those kind of guys well, I was very excited to go, obviously go to uh, WWF. I kind of felt like they were they were the number one company at the time, so I really looked forward to the opportunity. So, yeah, I got through my opening WrestleMania match at Caesars Palace Outdoors with Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning, which is funny. He forgot the match when we got in the ring, and oh, no. <laughs> I thought he was ribbing me, but he, he had too much caffeine or something, and I I, I, I thought he was, he's known to be a ribber. He, we locked up in the ring. He goes, what are we doing? What are we doing? I go, Oh, come on, Kurt. <laughs> and I, I thought I had a night off because I'm in the ring with Mr. Perfect, one of the premier workers of our era. And he he wasn't kidding. He he had forgotten what we the, the match we kind of had set up. He was looking for me. So I had to lead the match. And I but that really threw me for a loop. I'm telling you, but 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 uh just I don't mean to get sidetracked on that, but um yeah, just a great opportunity to, to work with the company and I'm still with them now. I'm still, I'm an ambassador with WWE and they sent us, put us in the video games. They do a kind of interview stuff with us behind the scenes for the legends and the A&E specials and all the stuff that we do behind the scenes on camera and on the Peacock network. And they uh, just, uh, they still bring out action figures on us and kind of keep us current with the fans. And one of the yeah. great things about the appearances they send us out on the, the dads will come up with their kids who watch the current guys of, this is who I watch, and the kids already know who you are from the video games and and the uh, the the matches they can watch on us, the old school matches that we had on Peacock and on YouTube, and so it's really cool. It, re it really is. That's great. Did you feel more comfortable as the narcissist or as made in the USA Lex Luger? I don't know if you just caught that. Did you did you, did you feel more comfortable as narcissist or made in the USA Lex Luger? Probably narcissist because back then, <laughs> ask anybody that fit my 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 real life personality a little bit more. Um, 
like we talked about earlier about me wanting to get to the gym and tan and preen in front of the mirror. That was that came naturally to me. I was definitely in love with myself back then. Were you um, surprised to get the call to body slam Yokozuna? Yeah, it was a shock. I, I thought the bus tour was just going to be this, just for that match. I was going to go back to being just Lex Luger, but uh, Vince Vince is all in, man. He wanted me to do the bus tour and be Mr. Made in USA and the the whole thing. So it, it was, looking back, um, it, it was a great experience. The the Every appearance was slammed and lines everywhere and they did a really good job in that on that tour. It was it was I very and that the moment on the USS Intrepid is one definitely one of the highlights of my career. The 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 setup and the helicopter and the surprise entry and the the way only Vince McMahon and W can do something like that. It, it was really a very very cool moment and one of the highlights of my career when I slammed Yoko on the USS Intrepid. Do you think they could have WWE could have done more with you, or were you satisfied uh, with what you were able to accomplish over there? Well, I worked as with all the top talent there. Mm-hmm. Once again, um, a lot of people felt like maybe with the big build up to SummerSlam. Funny side note: when I right before SummerSlam, they had like a Hollywood uh, guy travel with me on the bus, like as my public relations guy or tour director. Mm-hmm. When he heard I wasn't going to win because of the big build up, because oh man, your your career's dead. Your, your career's over. If you don't win this, they're not going to put the belt on you. I go, no. He goes, your your career's over. I go, well, thanks a lot. That's a great thought going into SummerSlam. I'm not winning the belt, they're, but they're going to release the balloons out of the ceiling like you did win, and I that my career's over because I didn't come through. Um, fortunately, he was wrong. Yeah, I ended up going on to the Monday Wars and having a, a nice finish to my career until 01, but um, – a lot of fans thought that maybe they should have put the belt on me there, even if they took it back off me. So I showed the result and came through for the fans. I, I was always Matt Suda always taught me to be a good foot soldier, so I never questioned people. Go, Will you promise the belt? And they changed their mind. No, I was never promised the belt by Vince. I was very close with Vince, very good friends with him. We used to train together at the gym. Um, he, if he wanted to put the belt on me, the plan all along was to make it special and do it at WrestleMania ten. Mm-hmm. He went with Brett at Mania 10, but I was never promised a belt in the first place. I was just glad to be really, I'll be honest with you. I was always very confident. I was always glad to be in the main event mix. And whether I had the belt or not, I always thought of myself. I never lacked confidence as a main event guy. Mm-hmm. So I, I, uh, Eric Bischoff, who was my boss at WCW during the Monday War, said, What about Lex in his career? He goes, Well, I'll tell you one thing about Lex. He always thought he was the, I won't say the word he used, the stuff. Yeah. And he goes, and he goes, he made other people believe him. So I never lacked, I guess I never lacked confidence during my career. That kind of comes across on camera and to the fans was Eric's point. Yeah. And so if I thought I was a big deal, then the fans thought I was a big deal. If I thought I was a main event guy, the fans believed that I, so that kind of was, when I look back at WB, would I, would I have stayed there longer? Maybe, I, but I had an opportunity to go back to WCW and be with my friend Sting uh, uh, for the Monday Night Wars and do that walkout on the, at the Mall of America. And I thought that was a, a great opportunity. So, you know, it worked out pretty well. And I was going to mention, you know, the match with you and Hulk Hogan, getting Hulk Hogan up in the human torture rack and winning the uh, WCW on the live night show. I don't think people totally get it now, but that was one of the biggest live TV matches like ever. That was the happened. 100th anniversary of, of – uh, of Nitro. 
And what I didn't like? find out. I didn't like, find yeah. out. I didn't find out I was gonna get the title. Of Hogan was our hot red. The whole NWA was on fire. They left us playing every weekend for like, like over a year, and got stuff thrown at them. And I'd be laying the ring ring laid out by them. I get covered in nachos and beer, and um, they had a lot. Of, we call it heat, yeah. man. And Hogan was red hot as a heel. Whoever thought that Red and Yellow would become the hottest heel, maybe one of the ever in wrestling. And they wanted to keep it a secret. So the referee and I, Pee Wee, found out. You see his reaction when he rang the bell. Yep. We we didn't find out almost until right before we went in the ring that we were going to switch the bell. Yeah, what, what a great moment. The crowd didn't think so either. There was, there was a, if you watch the crowd, listen to it, there's almost a delayed, like, well, they're going to DQ it or – when they found out that when the ring filled up with uh, the WCW guys, they realized we had switched the belt. I'd won the title live on Nitro, which is never normally done. The crowd, and funny, ironic, that was where I didn't win the belt, same building at SummerSlam. Interesting, interesting. Um, Full circle, right? Yeah, totally. Are, are you at peace now with people who might have been like angry with you during your career? And how do you, how do you approach that when you hear it and when you deal with it nowadays? Angry with like some of the out of the ring stuff, like yeah, Elizabeth and stuff like that. Um, Which is anything I, 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 and, and, under, and, understandable. And uh, I find in life that uh, people are going to believe what they want to believe or feel they want to feel, and I'm not going to invalidate their feelings. I just try to be uh, the best Lex now that I can be each and every day. I, I think each each day is a gift, uh, and uh, I try to be best I can, and and uh, I understand some of their feelings and uh i i just i just keep on stepping all right we're going to move on to something we call the three count now it's going to be three quick questions and your answers so first question i've always wondered this was there any particular reason that the most put together guy in wrestling was wearing a huge flowing white shirt when he walked out at one monday night show at the mall of america well i came from canada on the road with wwe and my clothing was limited, so they wanted me. In, and I normally just bought wrestling gear and workout clothes on the trips. That was about the only shirt I had in my bag. I, I flew in for that, and I, I, I had to pull it out. The rest yeah. is history. It's, it's still so memorable. Uh, yeah. so, on, a, on a side note, my other favorite moment with you. The big you white did... shirt with the Nehru collar. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my, my other uh, Lex Luger-related shirt uh, thing that I liked was you getting uh, you facing the really tight shirt on that one internet video that went out years ago about you getting stuck in your shirt or whatever it was. With oh, Billy my Lutz's gosh. Yeah, I'm, cu I'm cussing up a storm now that, yeah. I'm, <laughs> now that, I'm, a, now that I'm a Christian board again. Believe it, they, they show that virally still. They love that. Yeah. A little bit of the old Lex. Oh, my yep. gosh. Second question, yeah. uh, anything stand out for you from your first WrestleMania at Caesars Palace or your first uh, Starcade, which I think was the first WCW pay-per-view back in 87? Any Anything stand out from those two shows? Um, Star which Starcade are you referring to? Dusty. I think you faced Dusty in the first one in 87. Was that when he won the U.S. title? Yeah. Oh, in Chicago. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, I went to bring – J.J. slid the steel chair, I think, for me to, to – Use on Dusty and he ended up DDT me on the chair and pinning me one, two, three. That was a great match. Uh, I just to be in the ring with Dusty. Dusty was so instrumental. One, another guy mm -hmm. who was man, I can't believe I left him out. Dusty, he gave me my nickname, the total package. He gave me the torture rack finish. He was a creative genius. He had a huge impact on my career early on. 
Very so good. to be in the ring with him just and, and that match was a was just fabulous. And um then um the uh first are you talking about the first WrestleMania? First WrestleMania was at Caesars. You mentioned the match, but any anything else stand out for you from that experience? Well, just the the grandeur of WrestleMania. I mean, before I got into wrestling, I, I saw those guys, uh, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, and the WrestleManias, and it just, it, I mean, it, it's it's definitely a, a huge deal. So definitely fond memories, even though Kurt forgot the match when we locked <laughs> up. Uh, just being a part of that and kind of the kickoff to my, my career with them, definitely great memories of that, for sure. And then the last question, is today's Lex Luger the most total package that you've ever been emotionally, spiritually? Uh, that's the great, I get that all the time when I speak, like I do in sprints, go, Lex, you weren't, you're the total package now before you were just mentally and physically. Now, now you're the total package. You, 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 uh, you uh, love other people. You, you love Jesus. You, you, lo- you still love wrestling they go now you're the total package they go well thank you i appreciate that so yeah definitely i get that a lot that's interesting i wouldn't i wouldn't i thought i was going to be the first one to say it but uh it's no i get that, that all the time now which is fabulous thank you that's fantastic mm-hmm. well lex thank you i've really enjoyed this thank you so much for joining me today on under the ring pro wrestling conversations um i it's it's a real treat to see how well you're doing and and all the and all the things that you're doing outside the ring now uh at this point in your life and uh it's it's been a real pleasure to talk to you thank you great interview i really enjoyed it thank you so much thank you very much thanks again everyone for joining me today on under the ring pro wrestling conversations i want to thank lex luger for joining me today i'd also like to thank derek kukulich and evan polisher and ad free shows for making this happen today Check back on Twitter at Under the Ring and on threads at PJ Strum for all the latest information on guests and have a great week, everyone.